It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That crazy starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and aeroplanes. Many fruits are not afraid. I have a freaking listen to yourself in the world, but it don't need something with your own head. Beat it up and I've got no peace. The ladder fucking clatter with the fear fight down. Like fire in the fire, but the city's other gangs and the government for hiring the combat site. But you wasn't coming in a hurry, but you're getting down your neck. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. dark heart of the city, a mysterious figure known as Dr. Bones. In the dark heart of the city, yes indeed, there resides that mysterious figure, Dr. Bones. Dr. Bones. That's right, and this is the hour of doom. And bloom. Hey friends and neighbors, welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour, a lagoon of alacrity in a lackadaisical world. What am I talking about? I don't know. What the hell does all that mean? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. But I'll tell you what I do know, that I'm Joe Alton, MD, also known as Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net, who you'll find over a thousand posts, videos, and podcasts on medical preparedness for any disaster. Uh, a lot, yes. A lot more a, than a thousand at this point. I know. Did we just stop counting at a thousand? Well, the thing is, we're also putting in our YouTube videos, which we've been doing a lot more of. Yay! That's right. We've got to do more of those. I'm trying. I was thinking about doing one on the SWAT tourniquet. Okay. I have it integrated, if people do want to see me talk about it and use it, into the three-part series on how to stop bleeding, the bleeding kit that I discussed. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of mixed in. It's not separated. i got to keep it separated. Keep it separated. Anyway, I, are you? I, <laughs> that is an excellent question. I'm Amy Alton. I'm a certified nurse midwife and an advanced registered nurse practitioner. Although Florida has now exchanged the letters, and I'm now an apron. You're an apron instead of an apron. I'm an apron. Here. That's terrible. <sighs> Whoever thought of that, well, let's just say I have bad things. <laughs> That I would like to do to the group of people who decided that was a good initials for the end of nurse practitioners' names. But I will not use it. I have been an ARNP for many, many, many years. And that's what I will die being. Well, there you go. And they still call us nurse practitioners, which is funny. But they just changed the letters up. So... Well, Never. they should call them the host with I'm the most. I'm not an apron. <laughs> the master of disaster. Certainly anything but an apron. And we're here to help the faithful few keep it together, even if everything else falls apart. That's right. We're working, by the way, on changing our format over the next few weeks so we don't have such a long housekeeping session Sorry. before we get to the <laughs> medical stuff. It's a work in progress, but I think that it's going to make for a better show. Yeah. Get Friend- to the content. That's right. Friends and neighbors. Have you been injured in an accident with a slimy salamander? Boy, those are yucky. Oh, but they're beautiful. They are. They are. They can be really really beautiful. Pretty. Indeed, they really can be. Well, our attorney says, "Don't call me. Call Doctor Bones and Nurse Amy." And listen to this. All information given and opinions voiced on Doctor Bones and Nurse Amy's Survival Medicine Hour are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. That's right, but don't think that you can't do some good in bad times. You just have to show the world you have more sense than a box of baboons and get the training and education you need. While you're at it, how about a quality medical kit as well? 
You need that, don't you? Well, I can't think of a better place to get that quality medical kit than Nurse Amy's entire line of often imitated, never equaled medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net. That's right. They'll help you deal with medical issues you'll face in any disaster. They'll make your home, your workplace, your school, your church, your vehicle even safer. And they are designed by an honest-to-gosh medical doctor and an advanced registered nurse practitioner or advanced practice nurse provider. I don't know what the heck they're no. calling you now. No. I'm, and then you know what? I'm not even going to justify it. That's right. <laughs> justify. Justify. That's right. Compare our kits for contents, quality, cost with anybody else's stuff, and you'll agree our kits are what you should have in your medical storage. I mean it about comparing. Want more proof? Check out our testimonials page at store.doomandbloom.net. See what folks just like you have to say about our medical kits and service. And on top of all that, our kits are approved for your health or flexible savings accounts. <laughs> just look at our special HSA FSA section in the store. Well, last week, the lovely nurse Amy actually took a turn before the camera. You were I did. talking about doing more videos. Of course, usually that means me in front I... of the camera, which <laughs> yes, is torture, but... a cruel and unusual punishment for <laughs> but, anybody. But I am the producer and Especially I am... the viewer. Yeah, well, you're the writer, <laughs> but I'm the producer and the editor, and that's not easy. And the photographer, because even the little thumbnails I have to take the pictures of and put those together. So I'm the creative behind... Your video. Yes. You're the brains and the brawn, and I'm the pretty face. You know, I had to record that twice. Because the first time I did it, I think I recorded about 30 to 40 minutes. <laughs> oh <my laughs> I was gosh. like... That's a long video. I have video. so much to say about a single tourniquet, and I just started listening to it. And I'm like, hey, this is just TMI. Too much information. I have to cut back. On what I'm saying, and then I was able to cut it back to 13 minutes, which is still ridiculous. Still, pretty long still ridiculously video. long YouTube video. But a lot of demonstrations in that. Yes, I show people up close, far away, explain everything. You really know what the heck it is when you're looking at the Sam XT tourniquet. And that's by the, the time one, you watch my video. Right, that's the one that you were checking out. And how did you like it? Oh, I do like it. I think it has some good features. I like the metal windlass, but I already have the soft tourniquet with the metal windlass. But honest to goodness, folks, I do not have a preference on tourniquets. Occasionally, I'll have a private conversation with somebody and maybe mention one that seems to me that might be a little bit easier. But if you are used to doing something and that's what you've practiced with and in a stressful situation, your brain will automatically use that tourniquet without issue. That is the one you need to use. And I almost don't care what it is. Anything is better than nothing. and Something it, you can use quickly and effectively. Yeah, at least the three that, that we've reviewed so far, the Soft Tea, the Cat Tourniquet, and now the Sam XT, are all even um, now on the list for the the. T C three recommended casualty care. What the military can use. Now there's some other tourniquets that are out there that aren't necessarily on that list. Like the SWAT is not on that list. But I really do like it because of its versatility. And it's a multi purpose tool, which is what we all want when we're prepping and preparing. If you have something that can be used for other things, that's even better. Right. With the SWAT, you can actually uh, stabilize the splint. You can use it as a pressure dressing That's with, right. the, you know, not making it as tight as a tourniquet. Hold on gauze. Use it as an ace bandage. So you just don't wrap it so tight, obviously. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a sling. It'll hold oh, an yeah, arm it can be in a sling, place. Sure. It is super comfortable behind your neck. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of things that you can do with the SWAT tourniquet. So I do like it for its multi-purpose People have even claimed all other kinds of things they've done with it. I think someone said they towed a car with it once. Wow. That's, that's how crazy, strong. Yeah. That is pretty, it is pretty strong. <laughs> I can't break it no matter what I do. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, the SWAT tourniquet's fine. The Sam XT, now yeah, newly, newly approved by the Committee right. on Tactical Combat Casualty Care. And it, I think it bears repeating. You, said, you just said it. But just because the tourniquet is accepted by the TC3... It doesn't mean that it's going to be effective in the hands of an untrained individual. If you're in the military, you get some of that training. That's part of the deal, I guess. 
but it still makes the most sense for civilians to use the tourniquet that you're most used to than that you have practiced with. Say it again. Be quiet for a second. Practice, practice, practice. Practice makes perfect. <laughs> Okie doke. We need to bring back some of those old sayings. I was having a nice chat with a gentleman yesterday who's in his 70s. And boy, this guy's got worldly experience. He volunteered in Australia. I can't remember exactly. During the Great Kangaroo War? 50 years ago, he was in Australia. Wow. He said just about every living thing there, and not just the people, but (laughs) 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 all the the other creatures that live there all want to kill you <laughs> oh my gosh bite you sting you or kill you because <laughs> it's a very bad habitat to try and survive in definitely but uh he was he was very interesting to talk to he was in um, the vietnam war he just had so many stories and now he's living out in the country with a bunch of druggies it's i feel bad for people now out in the woods Really, in remote areas, there's just so much drug cooking and making and and exchanging. It's just awful. And just the users are demanding it. So there's a huge problem with trade. So I, I'm sorry for all you folks that are out there in these beautiful areas of the country. Gorgeous with, with just beautiful living. And then you've got to deal with these neighbors that are just kooky. Kooky on drugs. That is We need to clean horrible. that up. You're at, you're absolutely right. I felt it's really a bad for an him. Epidemic he's surrounded country. by meth heads and in Washington State. And he's in Washington State too. And somebody <sighs> and somebody like that who we should be thanking every day for everything that they have. I know, done and he's trying to, to prepare their service to our country. Not only that, but he's buying um, prepping stuff for friends that can't afford it. He's trying to help them out. He says, I'm just not helping the neighbors that I know they're on the drugs. He has some, a neighbor to the south of him who just got out of a Canadian jail. For six years, he was in there for moving drugs across the border. Border, wow. Yeah. Crazy, baby. Unbelievable. And the one to his north got shot by another neighbor. Got shot by Got shot. I think he said it was a shotgun. In the chest and in the face. He didn't die. Oh, boy. He didn't die, so now he's, like, blind. Right. If you do it from far enough away, it doesn't go deep enough to sometimes do damage or it spreads out. Unbelievable. The shotgun spray spreads out <sighs> uh, so much that it's not fatal. A lot of crazy things in this world, darling. There I'll are. Now, now, one thing. Be safe, everybody. Speaking, speaking of crazy, there are a lot of people that think that I'm crazy for talking about natural medicine. We, again, the funny thing is that I get as many people asking us to stop talking about all that hooey about natural medicine. And then I have another half to tell us, please do more stuff on natural medicine. <laughs> it is crazy. You know, most average citizens, they have a relationship with, a, of course, a conventional health care provider. But there are a lot of people that also see alternative healers as well. And both of these people, in my opinion, have much to offer in the way of our medical well-being. I, I, I'm going to give a little disclaimer here. Yeah. That we're not talking about curing cancer or diabetes or that broken leg that's in 14 pieces. We're talking about other things. Right. So if you have something really serious, you need a hip replacement or you have a tumor, please seek modern medicine. These natural things like oils are not going to cure cancer. I'm sorry how much you believe that or somebody's told you that. It's just not going to happen. If you if you are cured, it's because your body's immune system did that. But well, especially, there are serious things out there that I just don't want people to n- neglect seeking help when there's something right. really bad. Right. Just because you see us write about natural medicine, right. don't ignore medical advice, right. don't stop taking needed medicines right to be just because we we say that there's something that may have some medicinal benefit or let me say one more thing it's i've had several people tell me they've tried to treat urinary tract infections with natural remedies mm-hmm. that is just not going to work i'm sorry you can drink cranberry juice until you turn red <laughs> 
from the dye in the cranberries. Right. Well, it does help you sort of flush things I, out. So I it get might that. Decrease the colony count. I, I got so that. So it does work for that. Well, it's not going to cure it. And I've had women telling me that they've been trying to do it and it just doesn't work. And then they go and take one course of a few days of antibiotics and they're all better. Like I had one lady tell me that she was treating her daughter for a year at home. And with the poor child's got a urinary tract infection. Those are horrible. They're so painful. I can barely take one for like an hour, let alone a year. And being a little girl, that causes scar tissue. Don't do that, folks. You got an infection, please, please, please go see a doctor, right? And or we, a nurse practitioner, and we've written or whoever an, you can trust. And we've written an entire book on antibiotics, especially antibiotics that you can obtain in the form of fish or in avian forms. Yes. And for urinary tract infection, things like bird sulfa or fish sulfa forte, those right. are two. Uh, fish and bird antibiotics that are the exact equivalent of Septra and Bactrim DS. Right. Of course, seek modern and standard medical care, whatever it is available. Exactly. But, but these, there are things that you'd be able to use in a survival setting that would actually deal with that even better than Uva Ursi or uh, any of these other kinds of drugs, especially if it's significant. If you had a kidney infection, Definitely need to take oh my gosh. antibiotics. Which is exactly what and the bladder antibiotics I un- talk about. untreated bladder infections can turn into. But It's really scary. But having said that, I believe that there is significant medicinal benefit in a lot of natural There are. You know things. what I really love is, and I know you're not really talking about this right now, but raw, unprocessed honey. I absolutely think that's one of nature's miracle, quote, drugs. Absolutely. So there are things out there like that, that that one in particular, and they're using those in hospitals now. Finally, right. sure. sure. I, there's that marriage of conventional and, and natural medicine. I think that they're very very useful. The funny thing is that these two disciplines, conventional medicine and natural healing, often at odds with each other, and it right. always seems silly to me. And it makes in survival even less sense. If you're off grid due to a disaster, I mean, in survival, if you're dogmatic towards one branch of medicine or another, that can be hazardous to your health in the absolute worst way. I mean, if you're you're a proponent of alternative medicine, for example, there's not much, as Amy said, that herbal therapy is going to do to set a broken leg. Right. On the other hand, if you're an advocate of conventional medicine, what are you going to do when all those pharmaceuticals that you stored run out? And eventually they must run out if the event takes a long enough time. And both of the things that I'm talking about are likely events in a truly austere setting. Right. You know, you're going to find people with broken legs and things like that that you need to treat conventionally. You're going to end up having to figure out an alternative to the medicines that run out. Right. And I don't, again, I love a lot of natural remedies. We've tried them. I have something called Happy. Happy. (laughs) Happy. Which is an herbal tincture in the refrigerator right now. I have two bottles of it. Is there a lot of alcohol in it? No. No? There's not. That that's making, what I made. Is that, what, is that what's making you happy? That's what I made you drink two days ago, remember? And I, I was put so it happy. In some seltzer. And I became so happy. I, you tried this when we were at Mother Earth It News, was fine. It and was, you liked it. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, well, it. when you tried it here, you were like, ew. Remember well, you did you that? did something with it. I, you know what? I didn't put enough of it in uh-huh. there. Ah, there you go. So I didn't. I don't think I, I made I it as concentrated as they did. Because remember, they gave happy. me just a little shot of it. No wonder I wasn't. I made as a happy. bigger glass. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to add more. It does have raw honey in it, so it tastes delicious. You just needed more sugar. That's there. what it was. Well, you got to decide out there how concerned you are about being knocked off the grid for a long period of time. If you're worried about three days. Without power, well, you probably don't need to grow a medicinal garden. But if you are concerned about things being bad for a long period of time in the uncertain future, well, you know what? Might not be a bad idea. Right, we once had a conventional doctor challenge me to find an illness, any illness where a natural remedy could actually help cure it or prevent it. And I've also heard herbalists challenge researchers on the benefits of the vaccine that eliminated smallpox from the world. Now, you may have your opinion on vaccines, 
they can't argue that oh, no please, one. Let's not talk. Let's not go there too much. <laughs> yeah, but you can't argue that no one's dying of smallpox these days. That's true. No, right? you're you're absolutely right. That evidence is proof. There you go. Well, in each case, and and the funny thing is that in each case, there's no amount of evidence that I can muster that budged either of these guys, the conventional doctor or the natural practitioner, conventional doctor was sure the other person was a quack and the and the natural healer was sure the other guy was a profiteer. Absolutely. A pop, a puppet of big business. There you I've go. I've heard it a million times. Well, I think that's... And there are those people out there. There are the quack naturalists and there are the, the doctor who's run by the big business. Those people exist. But thankfully, like extremists, they're far and few between. Most doctors... And nurse practitioners are good folk. Are absolutely here to help you, and don't get a dime. By the way, from the drug companies, the drug company never gave me a dime. I know they never gave you a dime. I know that's so sad. Because <laughs> I would have known it. <laughs> I wanted a dime. I know they didn't give no, us I didn't anything. Want a dime. I didn't want anything for them. We prescribed because what when I wrote a prescription and when you wrote a prescription, it was because that's what we felt was best for the patient based on the patient, not based on any checks that were imaginary because there weren't any. Right. I'm sure there are some doctors out there that work for drug companies. Oh, yeah. occasionally a person. I don't know how they're getting away with it because there are rules and there are laws that that's not allowed. So they're breaking the law when they do that. And I'm sure there's, quote, natural healers out there that are just trying to sell some, you know, bottle of capsules or, oh my gosh, all of these men's products that Crazy are on television yep. now yep. Mm-hmm. give you your youth back or, oh, or yep. women's medicine that'll, you know, make you feel younger and make your skin look like an 18-year-old. You know, they're just salespeople. They're lying to us. And I think pretty much everyone knows that's true. So you have to trust the person that you're talking to has done a lot of research, has some education, and is not, you know, trying to just sell you a bunch of stuff. That's what I always worry about. Just don't try to sell me a bunch of stuff. Talk to me about the benefits of right. whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's a doctor or a natural healer. But don't try to sell me, you know, three or $400 worth of products. I'm not, I'm not for a sales pitch. You you get someone's trust. Like, we've educated people for 10 years now. You know, you, you guys know that, I mean, we talk about something we might have, but, like, the fact that we have the book, every single thing that's in that book is on our website. You guys can print it and put it together and, you know, make right. a binder, which is what everyone did before we even had a book. The entire purpose, 100% of the reason we did a book, because we never thought about making a book, it's because folks like you are listening said, hey, I want this on paper and I'm tired of printing because cartridges are very expensive. Could you just put it all in a book, can organized? You, and that's that what 12, we did. 12, probably about 1,250 articles and podcasts and videos with transcripts and stuff like that. Oh, Imagine, yeah. If you had the transcripts of all this stuff, you would have a, a volume like a the, room full a, a, of the Encyclopedia Britannica. Right. So our it pure purpose pretty... of putting everything on paper and why I don't sell the Kindle version. I did sell it at one point only because it's a, it was, they had a deal where if you bought the book, you could get the Kindle version for three ninety nine. dollars uh-huh. Remember that match? Yep. It was called Matchbook or something. Right. And then I don't know if they still have that, but. I don't know. I think we had one word that's misspelled. So Kendall said, oh, we're not going to publish it anymore. And I said. Right. We actually misspelled the word. And I said, I. Go ahead. The word weak. Weak. So instead of W-E-A-K, which is the word I was looking for, somehow it came out W-E-E-K. And we missed it when we edited it. Out of 700 pages. Out of 700 pages. So so, I said, forget it. I'm not fixing it. And you know what? The truth of the matter is. That was the second edition. If we are true to our mission which is what really, i've always said this electronic stuff something's going to happen and that stuff's not going to be available well no, and no matter how many solar panels you have and marine batteries they all have a lifespan and honestly if there's a long-term thing 
and I had somebody argue with me, oh, my book can get wet. And Okay, well, yeah, you got to protect your books. You don't want to throw them out in the weather. But electronically, I don't trust those things to last very long. Look at how many times we have to replace an AC unit or a refrigerator or a washing machine. Right. These you things know, happen. Or yeah. a microwave. These things eventually die. And like a marine battery has a lifespan of charges and discharges. So, yeah, you'll get a few, but then if you don't have another battery, that's it. Now you can't read our book from a Kindle. So paperback is important. Well, you may not be able to read our book, but you still could treat people with things that may be in your own backyard. That's right. Plants that may have medicinal benefits. And if we ever entered really bad times, I mean, you're going to have to do a lot of improvising. And having commercially made supplies is great. But conventional items, even some natural ones, are going to run out over time. You better not throw out those old blankets <laughs> because you may want them to make bandages with or uh, triangular bandages. We're going to write it, do a video on that in the <clears throat> next week that is going to show you a bunch of different ways to use those. Uh, this is where it all makes sense to put together a sustainable, and this is, as, as a master gardener uh, trained by the state of Florida, not active doing that right now, but still, still keeping up with all the information, you should put together a sustainable medicinal garden. That's right. Gardening is a skill for the medic, and the medic should learn medicinal herb gardening if they want to succeed in their role in a long-term disaster. Now, besides having more options, you have more flexibility if you add your natural medicines there. And if you're a natural naturopath or a nature, natural medicine guy, you may want one of our big medical kits, which has all the conventional stuff, something like our Stomp Supreme, that would allow you to deal with all the other stuff that can't be dealt with with just herbal therapy. You're, you're, the thing with using both of these methods, you know, using all the tools in the medical woodshed, is that your approach can change based upon what the problem is and how serious it is. You break your arm, you turn to traditional medicine to set the bone and splint it, and afterwards, however, you might add some other approaches, maybe to strengthen your immune system, speed the healing process. Now, the method of treating the whole patient, that is called the holistic approach. You might have heard the word holistic. In holistic medicine, you emphasize the need to look at multiple aspects of health. And that includes the physical, nutritional, the emotional, the social aspects of different kinds of medical problems. That's what we did in nursing school and also in uh, my master's degree. And that's what we... Whole patient. And that's what we didn't do so much in medical school when I went. But, of course, when I went, of course, we were... You know, still, when did you go? 1940? We were <laughs> amputating a lot of limbs due to cannon. I said 1940. Balls. I was <laughs> yeah. joking. I mean, go even further back than that. <laughs> so anyhow, if you can be holistic in your approach, you'll help your patients recover from the, even the mental stress associated with their injuries, as well as the physical. And you know if there's going to be a disaster, your survivors are going to have plenty of mental stress. That's going to be a daily issue. You'll You'll probably have to deal with much more often than gunfights at the OK Corral. Well, at least I hope so. Uh, I know, right? So if you're not, then you need to move. So <laughs> just get out of dodge. So bottom line: use all the tools in the medical woodshed. Don't be stubborn and say no to this, no to that. Use everything that possibly can help you. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, we learn as much from you as you do from us, more probably. So come on, connect with the old geezer and the beautiful goddess. It's easy, and here's Nurse Amy to tell you how. Absolutely. You can contact us by email at drbonespodcast at aol.com. Find us on Facebook at our group, Survival Medicine, DR Bones, and Nurse Amy. Also, our Facebook page for one-stop, I always say shopping, but I don't really mean shopping. <laughs> One stop looking around. Yeah, there you go. Doom and Bloom Facebook page. Check us out. You can also follow us on Twitter at Prepper Show. I have an Instagram. Instagram, I'm posting more. It's like kind of more of a personal thing, sort of our garden pictures. And when we're oh, you'll love away, when we go places, some of our vacation stuff, business slash vacation. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that is Doom and Bloom Medical. 
All one word. Doom and Bloom, and Bloom Medical. Medical. I, I guess awesome. I could have shortened it up a little bit, but that was just what I picked. <laughs> I like it. And our YouTube channel, DR Bones Nurse Amy. Right. That channel is growing by leaps and bounds, and we have lots of great information on there. New stuff that's coming out every week. So make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And by the way, I wanted to mention that you can also find some of our articles in great magazines like American Survival Guide, like Survivor's Edge, Backwoods Home, all sorts of places. Things that you will find very, very interesting. And they have not just our articles, but articles by a lot of other great, Absolutely. great experts. Let's talk a little bit about wound closure. I wanted to talk a little bit about that. When a laceration occurs, we have a natural armor on our body. It's called our skin. And sure enough, it is awesome for preventing bacteria and other kinds of critters yuck. from getting from into our getting body and yuck into making us. a mess out of us. And that's a problem when our body's natural armor is breached, when the skin is, open, is broken, mm-hmm. and therefore it only makes common sense that you want to close that breach as quickly as you can because speed healing and lock out hopefully infection but there's of course a lot of controversy as to whether or not you should close a wound in survival settings when and why would you close choose to close a wound and what methods should you use now there are a lot of different choices there's uh, if you had a laceration if i had a cut across my arm for example it broke the skin uh, and i'm looking at what's underneath well that can be closed either by sutures, tapes, staples, medical superglues, things like that. And that's something that you can do. You could also allow a wound, if the wound is extraordinarily dirty, you might keep it open either for a few days before you close it to make sure it doesn't get infected or indeed just leave it open and take care of it until it closes in from the inside out. That's a process called granulation. And that is a way that it has a little more scarring associated with it, but it does work. And I think the point that you're making, I want to just reemphasize about if it's a dirty wound. Now, that doesn't mean if you're looking into it that you see pieces of wood or gravel or sand or dirt or whatever. You say, oh, okay, well, I can get all that out. We're talking about microscopic nastiness, which could have come from, say, a blade that you were butchering a piece of meat. Right. Maybe you had just killed a a cow or a pig or or a deer deer or a rabbit, and you had been using that blade to butcher this animal, and you cut yourself. Well, that we're definitely going to consider dirty, whether or not you could see anything inside the wound, and you're not going to want to close that up. So it's not just a matter of dirty from my eyes, but dirty knowing how the person was injured is a big part of it. And I do think that a lot of our, quote, survival injuries are going to be because we have dirty things that have hurt us. So and that a, lot, a lot of our, our wounds are going to have to heal from the way you were just talking about right. with this granulation of the tissue building up from the inside and forming a scar on the and outside. that's a natural process that, uh, that occurs in just about everyone. Right. still doesn't mean you can't get infected there, and, and every wound needs to be watched very closely. So there's controversy as to whether you should close a wound. Yep. And, and so when and why would you indeed decide to do that? When do you make that decision? What's the judgment that you need to have to be able to do the right thing for the patient? So the answer, the question is, to close or not to close, so right. paraphrase Hamlet. So what are you trying to accomplish by closing a wound? Your goals are pretty simple. You want to close wounds to repair the defect in your body's armor, to eliminate the dead space, and also to promote healing, right? A well-approximated wound also has less scarring, not such a big deal in survival settings, but indeed a, a big deal. It sounds... If you think about it, that all wounds should be closed, right? Unfortunately, if you close a wound that should be left open, it can indeed cause a lot more harm than good. It can indeed put your patient's life at risk. If Now, there's I have an example that I use in a lot of our suture classes 
in which I take a case of a young woman that was injured some years ago in a zipline accident. Accident. She was taken to a local emergency room where they immediately put 22 staples in because she had a big laceration. She landed in a creek bed and wound up having a big cut in her thigh. Unfortunately, the wound had dangerous bacteria in it, the kind that eats flesh, flesh-eating bacteria, and it caused a severe infection, and it spread throughout her body. She eventually required multiple amputations and was, well, a, a terrible situation. So there's an important lesson to be learned from this, and that the decision to close a wound is not automatic and involves a number of considerations. So the most important consideration is whether you're dealing with a clean or a dirty wound. Most wounds you're going to encounter in off-grid settings, dirty. You try to close a dirty wound, such as, let's say, a gunshot. A gunshot wound will have, like, pieces of your, your clothes. So, you know, if there were, you shot somebody where, and in the chest, their shirt probably is going to be inside their chest. Right. Part, parts of or it. at least fragments, yeah, right. right, exactly. Threads so, that you might not be able to see. Again, ex- things that you, you don't think that are in there, but they are. Exactly. Sweat, things like that. Things that, and even little bits of it, the skin body bacteria and, right bacteria body bacteria that lives on the skin yes could go right inside and go right in your belly for example so what you've done is you've sequestered bacteria and dirt into your body and within a short period of time the infected wound becomes red and swollen and hot uh, you may have a collection of pus that's called an abscess and it is a mess and the infection eventually spreads to the bloodstream. That's a condition known as septicemia and can become life-threatening. Now, leaving the wound open allows you to clean the inside frequently and absorb the healing process. And it also allows inflammatory fluid to drain out of the body. A scar, as I mentioned, is not as pretty, but it, in a lot of cases, it may be the safest option. Other considerations when deciding whether or not to close a wound are whether it is a simple laceration, a straight thin cut on the skin, or whether it's an avulsion, which an area of skin is torn out or hanging, flaps of skin are there. I mean, if you were in the area of a hand grenade when it went off, you would have a lot of avulsions, most likely. If the edges of the skin are so far apart that they can't be stitched together without undue pressure, well, that's a reason why a wound should be left open. And avulsions will do that. Now, if the wound has been kept open for a long period of time, let's say something happened when somebody was out in the in the on the trail they finally get back to base camp but the day later well that wound's been open for 24 hours that should be left open and remember even the air has bacteria and there's a good chance that the air has been colonized all right or the the wound has already been colonized by the injury so let's say you're certain that the wound is clean. It's less than, let's say, eight hours old. Here are some factors that would suggest that closure is appropriate. The laceration is long and deep. Uh, The exception would be a puncture, for example, from an animal bite. These bites are loaded with bacteria, and they're deep, and they're usually small openings, but they're deep. And they're loaded with bacteria and should be kept open in any austere setting. Now, the wound located over a joint that is a problem moving parts such as the knee constantly stresses a wound and prevents it from closing in by itself so if i had a a cut over the area of the knee well that's constantly going to be under stress and even though the skin may want to close it just moving around that joint let's say over a knee for example well that will open up continuously unless you are actually closing it with some form of closure methods, staples, sutures, things like that. Uh, If you have a wound that gapes open loosely, that suggests that it might be able to be closed without undue pressure on the skin as long as it is very, very clean. Now, if you're not sure, of course, you can choose to wait 48 to 72 hours, let's say, or maybe a little more before closing a wound to make sure no signs of infection develop. That's called delayed closure. Now, some wounds can be partially closed, and that allows a small open space to avoid the accumulation of inflammatory fluid. Now, you can't just leave a hole there. You have to put something that will help wick out the this inflammatory fluid before you, this eventually gets closed. That's called a secondary closure. And what you're going to use for that is called a drain. Drains consist of 
thin lengths of latex, nitrile, or even gauze, and they might be placed into the wound so that they can wick out or allow the drainage of inflammatory fluid, blood, and, and that kind of stuff. It also allows you to, to, to flush that area out into something called we call irrigation to get out debris. Now, of course, there is a very expensive way to do this. It takes about 200 bucks, and that's called the Jackson Pratt drain. And if you have surgery in a hospital, you may wind up with one or two of these drains, and it looks sort of like a, looks sort of like a hand grenade. You squeeze it, and you close it, and it applies vacuum through this little tube that goes into your body, and it drains out things. You're not going to have that, or you're not going to be able to afford that in times of trouble, so you have to consider another kind of drain, the Penrose drain, which is a thin length of nitrile or, or latex. You can even cut up some um, gloves, uh, some of these nitrile gloves, to make your own drains. And some of these drains are actually still used in some operating rooms. Uh, drains, by the way, have a tendency to leak, so you always have to put a dressing over the exposed area, otherwise it gets very, very messy. Now, there are many injuries that require closure and some that don't, that should also be treated with antibiotics in oral or topical form to decrease the chance of infection. Topical antibiotics, that uh, triple antibiotic cream, things like that, that's for the skin. It's not for inside. Uh, but there are many oral antibiotics that you can get in avian or, or aquatic form that can indeed fit the bill, and we write about those on our website at doomandboom.net, and also you'll find them in our latest book, Alden's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease, The Layman's Guide to Available Antibacterials in Austere Settings. Uh, other substances, like unprocessed honey, like Amy mentioned, may be useful in survival scenarios. Maybe garlic is supposed to be antibacterial. They may be useful as well. Now, there are several methods available to close lacerations. You should use, in my opinion, the simplest and least invasive method that's going to do the job. Non-invasive methods involve the use of tapes and glues, and these make sense for a number of different reasons. Number one, it doesn't hurt to put them on, at least not much. Uh, number two, unless unlike sutures or staples, they don't cause additional punctures on the skin. As such, there's less risk of infection. What are you doing when you're placing a suture or a staple? You're making Two additional extra holes. holes. Right. Extra, exactly, <laughs> exactly right. And so that is a big issue. And you would like to not add more holes. Absolutely. Reach that natural armor that we have unless you really have to. Uh, materials, of course, for in terms of tapes and glues are usually less expensive. Uh, some of these medical super glues of prescription versions are pretty expensive, honestly. But you can actually use other that, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, in a survival setting, uh, if you're using these more advanced closure materials like sutures and staples, remember, they are no longer being manufactured because something happened, right? At that point, right? yes. That you're now, you're well, not, they might be, but just some other place in the world. That you're <laughs> they not can't at. get to you, right? So basically, you're knocked <laughs> off the grid, and basically whatever you happen to have, that's it. That's it. And so right. you only want to use your sutures and staples when they're absolutely necessary because your supply is very, very limited. And also, the other thing we talked about is not closing up a wound that's infected. Exactly. And you have or to... going to be infected because there's some dirt or, again, microscopic yuck in it. Right. Things that you can't see, no matter how much you're flushing, you can't get out. Right. Now, you should, know, you should know that the signs of infection, as they start, when infection begins to take over, mm -hmm. the skin starts becoming red, it becomes swollen and sort of shiny, yep. and it becomes warm to the touch. So these are some of the things that you need to know so that you can recognize that these things are indeed happening. Sometimes you even have to take out sutures because there may be an accumulation of pus under Underneath, the skin. Right. So this is something that is not unusual in austere settings where you can't really do things under completely sterile situations. You like my technical mm. words. I like Microscopic your... yuck. Microscopic <laughs> yuck, absolutely. But you know what? It's very descriptive. <laughs> things you can't see that are yucky. <laughs> now, one thing that you can use... Uh, is not invasive is something called a steri-strip. Steri-strips and other kinds of closures like this, so sometimes called butterfly closures, mm -hmm. are 
There are adhesive bandages that are impregnated usually with some kind of linen or some kind of uh, cloth that adhere on each side of the wound to help pull it together. They don't require puncturing the skin. They'll fall off on their own over time. And you can even improvise using even duct tape to make a type of closure like this. Now, the thing with this is that it has to, to stay in place. It needs a really good glue. Right. Now, stereo strips by themselves, they're fine on, except when they get wet. Yes. Now, to prevent, or excessive sweating. Right. Or to prevent them from just sort of falling off so easily, you need something called tincture of benzoin, sort of like a glue. It's a tacky, that, <clears throat> tacky glue. Right. That uh, you put right on the, each side of the wound and then you allow it to dry. And then you put your Steri-Strips on over that as you are pulling the skin together and closing the wound that way. And if you can do that, then it's more likely to be able to handle some uh, water exactly. or some sweat. Exactly. It so works that. really well. Now, there's another non-invasive method. I mentioned cyanoacrylate, which is med- medical superglue. It's mm-hmm. actually just superglue. There are two different kinds. There's uh, N-octyl cyanoacrylate and N-butyl cyanoacrylate. And one of these is the medical superglue. It requires a prescription, costs probably about 50 bucks each to use. And then there's regular old superglue. Yep. And regular old superglue, believe it or not, is probably useful to close wounds as long as you're not allergic to it. And so to determine that, what you do is you put a little drop of superglue on the inside of your forearm, let's say, and see what happens over the course of 24 to 48 hours. This you shouldn't a, do this. You do this before yes. a disaster occurs. Check, yeah, check people and see if they have a sensitivity. Right. This is actually just technically called a patch test. Right, and that, exactly, and that's what you as a medic should do with everybody that you expect to be medically responsible for so you know whether this is an option for them or not. Right. And the super glue. Basically, if it does not cause an allergic reaction, believe it or not, will work pretty well to close a wound. The only difference between medical superglue and regular superglue is that the medical superglue seems to hold up better to being wet, to being yeah. rained on or, or wet. It tolerates and, skin right, more, a little better. A little better. Whereas regular superglue is kind of meant to for other surfaces. Other things, not skin. Yeah. But... Indeed, it will in work in a lot of ways. And the good thing about it is that these are medical; these are adhesives that are going to have an, a barrier, going to cause a barrier to be formed between the skin. Like a liquid bandage. People right. have used liquid bandage before. Because that's over the counter and, and that's marketed to people. It's, it's used in a similar fashion. And it's sealing the top. Right. It speeds healing and even decreases the risk of infection with bacteria like staph. Now, the problem is that, it actually is not a problem, as long as you know that this happens, placing triple antibiotic cream on superglue or medical superglue is a no-no because it causes it to degrade. Right. So basically, It dissolves it. It's right. a dissolvent. Right. So basically, you do not want to put triple antibiotic cream. You don't have to because it is the superglue itself is forming its own barrier. And that's something that's important. Which is the way it works. You do not put super glue inside a wound. Right. Just want to be clear. You hold the edges together. Don't overlap them. Bring them together so you almost can't see the wound as it occurred because you've brought those two sides together so there's no gap anymore. Right. And you're putting layers of super glue over that cut. Right. It might be that, best that you can not you. see anymore because you've brought the edges just. Do they touch? This is best done with an assistant if you possibly yes, can have it. holding it together. So so that's it. Now, uh, skin glues are indicated when there's not a lot of tension in a, in a relatively dry wound, a wound that's not bleeding. That is not over a joint. They're right. not for use Not in your elbow, joints, your that, wrist, anything that's, gonna get anything a lot of that's stress. moving, right? Your knee, right? because then as soon as you bend your knee, it right. just pops back open. Oh, they're also not for use inside the mouth. That's another thing that's no important. No mucous membranes. Yep, there you go. Or up your nose. Or up your nose <laughs> with a rubber hose. So uh, gently brush the glue over the laceration, uh, holding the skin together, and you're making sure you're not pushing any of this stuff below the level of the skin. That's very, very important. You want to apply about three layers. You apply one layer 
over it and allow it to dry. Then you put a try, apply another layer and then go out a little bit in a sort of a uh, oval shape uh, to extend the border of the super glue with the second layer, allow that to dry completely, then do a third layer directly over the laceration and go even a little further out. So you have three layers of the super glue that has dried. You allow it to dry in between. So you're widening the area of glue each time and that helps increase the strength of closure. Now once this is completely dry, you can even consider adding stereo strips on top to increase the strength of the closure. Next week, I'll talk a little bit about sutures and staples, but I want to bring in a good friend of ours, Wes Peters of Gold Wealth Management. He has something to say with regards to what's happening in the world today and what he has in terms of services for you. Hi, Wes. Are you there? Hey, Dr. Joe. I am. How are you doing today? Beautiful down here in South Florida, but the world isn't so beautiful anymore. Tell us a little bit about what's happening and what we can do. <laughs> about the strange situation that we're in these days. There's a lot of things going on geopolitically, number one. When you look at the tensions between Iran and the United States right now, that's been in the news quite a bit. Iran was talking about closing the Straits of Hormuz, which is the busiest oil route. In response to that, uh, the United States has sent uh, two guided missile destroyers. They just started as of Thursday patrolling the Straits over there. Iran said that um, the United States is playing a very dangerous game, and unfortunately that situation could escalate very quickly. <clears throat> These things that I'm mentioning also, Dr. Joe, could have a serious impact on, on what I do, which is sell physical gold and silver. What I wanted to talk about today briefly was the things that are going on that could drive the gold and silver market much higher in the coming future here. Number two, President Trump escalated the trade war with China He's raising tariffs, another $200 billion worth of tariffs on Chinese goods and talking about taxing all of their imports. And in retaliation, Beijing is saying coming June 1st, they're going to raise tariffs on $60 billion worth of U.S. goods. Tariff war is not going to be a good thing for the markets. Uh, if this drags on, that could have a very significant impact on the U.S. stock market. When the market opened on Monday, Last Monday, at one point, the stock market was down 617 points, or the equivalent of 2.4%. Of it was actually its worst session since January 3rd of this year. The S&P 500 also had its worst day of the year, uh, falling 2.4%. And the NASDAQ, uh, it dropped a whopping 3.4% in one day, its biggest loss for the year. China is also talking about possibly no longer buying our debt and dumping our, our U.S. Treasuries. Data from the U.S. Treasury Department released this last Wednesday showed that China sold the most U.S. Treasuries in almost two and a half years during the month of March amid uncertainty about the trade deal with Beijing and Washington. There's been renewed speculation whether China may sell its U.S. debt in retaliation for the increased tariffs. Number one reason now is a very good time to be buying gold is because of all these geopolitical things that are going on around the world. You know, I spent nine years in the Marine Corps during the first Gulf War. I was over in the Straits. I was on the USS Bellowood. I tell you, things could escalate very quickly over there. Just one misstep. Like right now, they're saying in the news that the United States was misreading Iran and Iran was misreading the United States. Iran thought that we are getting ready to attack them and it just takes one wrong move over there. It could be a bad situation, unfortunately. The second reason that people should be looking into gold and silver right now is to prepare for a redistribution of wealth in this country. Right now, there's a big push in this country for free health care, free college, free daycare. And it's time to start preparing for that because, as we all know, Dr. Joe, nothing is free. Health care for all. Um, that's not just going to be a, a tax increase on the wealthy. The middle class, even if they have a significant tax increase, that's not going to be enough to pay for Medicare for all. Both parties are to blame. Politics are very, very heated right now on both sides, and, and they're both to blame for the situation that we're in. Right now, anywhere that uh, your listeners have money has a red bullseye on it for a broke government. They know about what you have in the bank, what you have in your brokerage account, what you have in your IRAs, your 401ks. And if you buy physical gold and silver, it's totally private. We don't take a social security number. We don't take a driver's license, a date of birth. 
when you buy it or when you sell it. It's totally private, so you can get that bullseye off of some of your money. That's reason number two. The third reason is because gold and silver are on sale right now. For example, if, if silver goes back to its 2011 high of $50 an ounce, silver is going to more than triple in price. The silver to gold ratio right now is 85 to 1. And what that means, uh, Dr. Joe, is it takes 85 ounces of silver to buy one ounce of gold. The ratio is usually about 60 to 1. It takes 60 ounces of silver to buy an ounce of gold. That tells us silver is very undervalued right now when it has the potential to, to triple going back to its previous high. The fourth reason to look to get into metals right now is there's momentum building behind the precious metals market. Smart investors, they, they're aware of what's going on right now, and they're transitioning some of their money out of the stock market. They're selling while the stock market was high and buying into the next market, which many experts are saying will run, and that's gold and silver. Our phones ring off the hook when we run a commercial, and we're all having the same conversations with folks. Hey, I've seen this rodeo before with the stock market in 2008. I'm going to be ahead of it this, this time, and I'm going to get some of my money out of the stock market. And so money is starting to funnel into gold and silver, which is a, a very good thing. Our company, you know, we're out of Phoenix, Arizona. We can help your listeners protect savings. IRAs, 401ks, we deal strictly in the physical metal. They send us money. We send them gold and silver. They keep in a safe place. If they ever need to sell it, we'll buy it back from them at whatever the value is at the time. And in our lifetime, our dollar could be done. You know, there's a secret war on cash right now. They do not want people using cash. People are actually having their accounts confiscated. They want to go to a digital currency, something similar to Bitcoin at some point. And for those that own physical gold and silver, when that time comes, you'll be able to say, okay, I'll take that new currency. Here's my gold and silver. You're going to get a lot more of that new currency, whatever it is, than your neighbor who has nothing but worthless U.S. dollars. And I would encourage your listeners to look into this. Do a simple Google search. Central banks are currently buying more gold than they have since World War II. There's articles in Forbes, CNBC, um, all these financial publications are talking about this. The people that control the money supply are currently buying record amounts of gold. Why? What do they know? And maybe we should probably do a little bit of what the people in charge are doing when it comes to protecting your wealth. So, Wes, if our listeners are interested in finding out more about your services, how can they connect with you? A couple of ways. A uh, simple phone call. Uh, phone number is 866-GLD-SLVR. That's 866-GLD-SLVR or 866-453-7587. 866-453-787. Or they could go to www.goldwealth.com management.com and there's a tab on there to request a free information kit they just put in their their name their address they'll have their email and they can request it dr joe we're all about educating people we're not high pressure sales it's like look here's the information do your homework write down your questions call us we'll never charge you a dime to talk with you some folks we talk to two three times for an hour each time 30 minutes each time because we want to make sure you have a good education, a good understanding of what you're getting into, and then we give you the tools to make a good informed decision that's best in your situation. A lot of companies, they want to tell people what to buy. Oh, you should buy this. Well, because people will say, call up and say, hey, I'm, I'm not sure what I'm doing here, and, and they'll ask for advice. That company will pull up their inventory. They'll see what they currently have too much of today, and they'll say, oh, well, you should buy these South African Krugerrands, not telling them that a Krugerrand will generate a 1099 to the IRS. Now, there are products you can buy that don't, but a Krugerrand will. What we do is we explain everything thoroughly enough that by the time we're done, your listeners would be able to say, okay, Wes, this is what I want to buy. Okay, great. Here's the price. Here's how much you'd have to pay to get into that specific product. They're happy. They send us the money. We send them the metal. We have a 14-day exchange privilege, so if they get the metal and for whatever reason they're not happy, they have 14 days to let us know, and we'll exchange it for the same type of product. That never really happens, Dr. Joe, because every piece of metal we sell is what's referred to in the industry as sightseeing. Every piece of metal we take in is inspected by our quality control, and every piece of metal that leaves our office is inspected. 
We don't sell any junk. Uh, we don't sell coins like some companies do that you can't read the dates, that the faces are practically worn off. Everything we sell is good quality. Wes, thank you so much yes, for coming on the show and telling us all about the issues that are going to drive what I think is going to be a big gold market. Make sure you connect with Wes at goldwealthmanagement.com or at 866-GLD-SLDR. Dr. Joe, I definitely appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk with you today. Tell Nurse Amy that I said hello, and, and we'll probably see you guys at some event down the road, I'm sure. Thanks so much, Wes. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed the Survival Medicine Hour podcast with Joe and Amy Alton, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week. 